With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Rangers win the draft lottery. The Edmonton Oilers will pick 14th overall. That's their position, the draft to be held October 9th and 10th. Of course, it'll be held virtually, online, however you want to call it. It was supposed to be in Montreal in late June, so it'll be about a week after the conclusion of the Stanley Cup final. Pretty big for the Rangers. Uh, they were 18th overall by points percentage, so they will pick first. And don't forget, they moved up six spots last year in the draft lottery, which allowed them to pick Capo Caco, who uh, had a pretty good rookie season for the Rangers. The Oilers' season, of course, ended on Friday We'll have time to uh, break that down as well here on the first hour of Inside Sports. Time for your texts and phone calls, 780-496-0063. You can email insidesports at 630ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. The second, well, pardon me, the first round of the NHL playoffs will start tomorrow. Uh, it's the second round being played, but it's officially the first round of the playoffs as what we just witnessed was the qualifying round. And uh, that should be fun. I believe we're doing predictions tomorrow on Oilers now. I can't do much worse than I did in the first round. I think I went three and five. Uh, we got three out of eight correct. So I am worse than a monkey flipping a coin when it comes to predictions. Not very good at all. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. All right. So Jeff Gordon, the general manager of the New York Rangers, shortly after winning the draft lottery, he was asked, is Alexi Lafreniere the obvious number one choice for you? I'm from the school of, you know, we'll, we'll take some time here and, and let this all settle in here. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to give away exactly what, it's, what is going to happen. And, you know, we haven't had the luxury of, uh, we don't want to jinx ourselves and, and zoom into our interview with Alexi until we, until we had the, the a good fortune of winning the lottery. I didn't want to waste his time. So we'll go through that process and we'll start to, to meet the young man and, and uh, go down the road of talking to him and uh, his family and, and doing all that. So uh, let's get through that first. Uh, you know, for tonight, let's uh, uh, let the Rangers fans be happy about uh, winning the lottery. All right. So again, the draft not coming up until October 9th, but certainly Lafreniere, the consensus number one pick. Gordon was also asked about the Rangers rebuild. They've been uh, trying to build from the goaltender out, but these lottery move ups are allowing them to have access to some pretty good forwards. When you go through anything like this, you're you're trying to, uh, I guess, amass as much, you're trying to gather as much talent as you can. And, uh, Obviously, if you look through uh, some of the best players in the league, some of the star players in this league, it's not a huge secret where they're where the player where the teams are getting them, right? It's it's uh, lottery picks. It's it's at the very high end uh, parts of the draft. So uh, that's you know generally it's not always the truth, but it's 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 a, it's where you get your players, and it's hard. And uh, the opportunity for us to do that is again. It's it's huge. Um, you know, you think back to the last few years, and and uh, I think you know we're trying to do things the right way. You're right. You know, try to solidify the goaltending, try to get some good young defense pieces, um, and now you know 
we've been lucky in the last couple of years uh, uh, to do what we've done in the lottery. So, uh, you know, I feel like things are coming together. There's a lot of work left to be done and, and uh, you know, don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a good night for the for Ranger fans to be excited. All right, a little bit there from Jeff Gordon, the general manager of the New York Rangers, who win the draft lottery. That draft held, uh, the lottery held a couple hours ago, and they did it straight up lottery. None of these number combinations, and then you got to look up the four-digit combination and see which team it belongs to. It was eight teams. They all had one ping-pong ball in the machine. They kind of let them rumble around there for a little bit, and then the guy pressed the button, and the Rangers ball shot to the top. So they get the pick. The Oilers uh, fans, you guys all know what it's like to win a draft lottery or to hold your position in the draft lottery. Don't forget the year Nugent Hopkins was drafted first overall by the Oilers. It was New Jersey that won the draft lottery. That was when they only picked one team, and you could only move up four spots. So New Jersey moved up to number four, and ironically enough, picked Adam Larson there. The Oilers retained the first overall pick and took Ryan Nugent Hopkins so the Oilers will pick 14th they were not hoping to pick that high they were hoping to keep on playing but uh, a lackluster first round against the Chicago Blackhawks we have a lot to break down there 780-496-0063 to call or text and one of the biggest stories here was that one of the best lines in the NHL after New Year's Eve Leon Dreisaitl centering Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto rarely played together in this series. They got assembled a bit late in the third period of game four when the Oilers were under the gun trying to take the lead and then trying to tie it up against the Blackhawks. And uh, we didn't see them other than that. Nugent Hopkins went and played with McDavid. Ennis was playing with Drysdale and Yamamoto until he got hurt. And then Andreas Athanasiu got that spot. And after being eliminated, head coach Dave Tippett was asked about breaking up that big line. We had the hottest line in the league the first month of the year, too, with Connor and Dreisaitl and uh, Cassian, and we were a better team with them broken up. You you can't go in and just feel like you're lining up on one line or you're going to win a series with one line. That's not the way it works. You need balance throughout your lineup, and we need that to become a, a, an elite team, not just a, a, a team that can get on a hot streak and win. We want to win for a long time. And I believe when you have pairs on lines that uh, that you can get going, uh, Connor and Nuge have played together. They played very well together at the end of the year. Uh, you know, when the line of Nuge and Dreisaitl and, and uh, Yamamoto was going, Connor had missed a bunch of games there, so we relied on those guys heavy. They were getting big minutes in all situations. So it's uh, it's too easy just to say, oh, that one line scored a lot. We want to be a good team. You can't be a one-line team and expect to expect to win on a consistent basis. And we're trying to balance our team to win long-term, not not to have one line go out there and feel like that they they're getting everything done. You're not going to win like that. Well, I got to tell you something here. I think Dave Tippett and his staff did a great job this season. I think when the final voting results are revealed for the Jack Adams Trophy, whenever they give out the awards for Coach of the Year, I'm sure Tippett will be fourth or fifth, probably just outside of the guys who made it into the top three. I thought he had a great season, but the Oilers lost, so things are going to be picked apart. And everything he said there certainly makes sense. And anybody who's been an Oilers fan for the last two or three years or longer, but but specifically since they've had McDavid and Dreisaitl humming, 
knows that they have lacked forward depth. They've had those two guys who have produced consistently. Nugent Hopkins has shown what he can do when he plays with one of those two guys. Yamamoto came up from the farm and was almost a point a game. Unfortunately, kind of a quiet playoff for Yamamoto. Younger player, I think he's going to be fine. I, and I understand what Tippett is saying. They, they need to balance the lineup. And, and you watch other teams play. Even Chicago, the impact their fourth line had. What St. Louis and Boston did to each other in the Stanley Cup final last year. Four lines going at it. Skill and tenacity lower down in the lineup. I, I get all that, but but here's here's what I don't get. Why is he experimenting into the playoffs? The Oilers acquired Andreas Athanasiu and Tyler Ennis specifically to help round up the lineup at the trade deadline. If you wanted to experiment with different pairs and different lines, why not do it in the games they wound up playing after the trade deadline as opposed to deciding to do it once you're into a postseason series against the Blackhawks. I mean, they could have come out of acquiring those guys and said, okay, we need McDavid to go play with Nuge, and we need one of Ennis or Athanasiu to be the left winger for Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. And we need to make that work, and we're going to do it now into the regular season so we know what we have for the playoffs. Instead, Tippett kept rolling with the big line combination and then got into the postseason and said, oh, you know what, now I'm going to change it. And then, to me, make matters even worse, once it got desperate, 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 he didn't go back to it until it was too late. You know, Rob Brown said has said he never would have broken those guys up. I certainly said going into game four, you cannot leave your rested ace in the bullpen. You need to win this game or the season is over. Now, there were other problems with the Oilers. Defending other players who just didn't seem to play their potential. They needed a couple more saves from the goaltending. Of course, that is not reason number one. We're going to, we're going to break it down and, and talk about it. But that was the best card you had in your hand and it never really got played. And that's what I would criticize Dave Tippett for. Brian is on the line at seven, eight, zero, four, nine, six, zero, zero, six, three. Go ahead, Brian. I don't even, I don't even know why I phoned in. You took the words out of my mouth. Um, the, uh, the the thing that also puzzles me is, okay, Chicago pretty well did it with one line. Carolina, Carolina pretty well did it with one line. Um, if you've got a hot line that, that's going and you got a McDavid with anybody else, uh, and, and here's the other thing is James Neal looked great. He looked rested. He looked He's not a fast guy, but he looked engaged. Why wasn't he on the top line? And I, you know, I, 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 I guess that they were together in the first game with Saskin. Is that correct? Uh, no, because the first game was McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Cassian, not Neil. Oh. Or sorry, is that what you meant? Yeah, no, I, I just wasn't sure who was playing with McDavid the first. No, game. Neil. Yeah, Neil never got up there. Neil played lower in the lineup and on the power play the entire time. Yeah, I see. To me, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I hope. I hope Dave Tippett regrets this. <laughs> Maybe not in public, but man, this like it was like an experiment, and you can you cannot afford to be playing. You you got to go with what's working. Yeah, you just got to try to advance to the next round. And I and I mean, look, if they, I'm going to tell you something, Brian. Losing is always disappointing. You guys, as Oilers fans, you've been hurt in so many different ways. But I feel like. They just never really got to the starting line almost, right? Like 
yeah. it was like if they would have if they would have peppered Corey Crawford like that consistently every game for periods of the game, and he yeah. steals it, then you say you know what the goalie stole it. Like that's hockey. Yeah. It happens every year to somebody. Yeah. But I just feel like there's they're leaving the tournament with gas still in the tank, and that's kind of eats at me a little bit. What what now? Here's the other thing: is Chicago is one of the smallest teams. Why weren't we all over them like you know bees on honey? Why why were we not forechecking like crazy and hitting them? We have we have big enough forwards. Uh, you know, Cassian. I don't know what happened with Cassian, but he it looked like he was invisible until the last few minutes of that series. Well, that's another thing. I mean, I think I, I don't know how many Oilers players you would look at in these four games and say he played at his potential or was pretty darn close. And I think there were some players that were significantly below their potentials. And again, that's I mean, it's a it's a 20 man team, right? So it's pretty rare. All 20 guys are at maximum the entire time. Yeah. But, man, you just felt like – and the mistakes were kept happening over and over again. I mean, how many times do you let in a tip in from the slot before you tie up the guy's stick? Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's something between the years, I think. How, how, uh, here's one more thing. Uh, our set was it 2017 when we went on our run? Uh, that was the last time they got in, yeah, and lost to Anaheim. Yeah. You, take, you take that Oiler team and, and you looked at that energy that they brought, you know, against – uh, San Jose, and then you, against Anaheim, uh, that that looked like a playoff team. What we saw here last week, it 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 looked nothing like that. And how huge was Talbot that year? When oh, you yeah. think about it, I mean, it's not like that team was perfect defensively either. No, they right? weren't. Yeah. But the energy, I love the energy they brought. So we were. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate Thanks, it. All right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right, we'll keep breaking it down, getting some texts rolling in. Of course, the phone lines are open. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Rangers win the lottery to draft first overall, so the Oilers will pick 14th in the first round, breaking down the conclusion of the Oilers' season. 780-496-0063. Harry's on the line. Hey, Harry, thank you for calling. Hey, Reed, how are you? Doing quite well. So, Reed, just a, I'm going to make a couple of really quick points. I do want your input on this. Um, it just strikes me that, you know, that comment by Bob Nicholson uh, was it last year or the year before about something in the water here? You look at all the other teams that are in on the round robin, and you watch how they play. You watch how they respond. You see the teams like Chicago that were on the outside looking in, and they realize how grateful they should be for this opportunity. Taves commented on that after they won the series. What I don't understand about this team and why we're mired with this problem is why can these players not show up to work? You were off for COVID for a bit of time. Did you forget how to operate a switchboard? I don't think so. Did you forget how to run your show? I don't think so. If you are truly a professional, you don't forget how to do what you need to do. Maybe your oxygen capacity is down a little bit. That comes with the practice and the exhibition. Um, That's one point. Another point is I watch Darnell Nurse a lot for some reason. I mean, admit I don't like him as a defenseman on our team, but it strikes me as to why this guy cannot put a slap shot on net consistently. 
it just boggles my mind. The last thing I wanted to comment on is kind of more, I think, up your alley is as media, you're one of the only people, I think, that has an active voice that can help to hold this team accountable. Now, if I remember hearing something during the uh, play-in, someone said that had we won that last game against Winnipeg, we wouldn't have had to do the, the play-in. Is that correct? Yes, because they would have had a points percentage higher than Dallas. So they would have been okay. fourth and Dallas would have been fifth. And so this is the exact reason why I think it is unacceptable to cut this team a free pass when they screw up a simple two points at any point in the season. Winners like to win. Winners do not accept mediocrity. They want to win. I mean, you guys have had more of a relationship with Gretzky, Messi, all those guys. Can someone tell me that they were willing to take nights off and just chalk it up to something? I don't think so. And the whole problem is when this team in December loves to take a holiday in December, their mind is already on holidays before the holidays have hit. But it's just, it boggles my mind. Two points. That's all they have to look back at during the season to realize it's two points. Anyway, thanks for taking my call, Reed. Yeah, appreciate your feedback, Harry. Good stuff. 780-496-0063 if anybody else wants to chime in. I have a few text messages uh, I want to read. Obviously, a lot of disappointed people with their own thoughts on the end of the season. Uh, we'll get to a couple more remarks that uh, Dave Tippett made after the game. Also coming up tonight, we'll visit with former NHL goaltender Corey Hirsch and Jordan Baker from the Edmonton Stingers. They won the CEBL championship. started last at the start of training camp last year which is a positive but there's still lots of work to be done we have some real good pieces on this group but uh to get we you know we've talked about at the start of the year we want to play real meaningful games we thought we had a chance to be a playoff team and we tried to earn the right to do that now we didn't get that done in this in this five game series so there's a lot more work to be done but i think we will start from ahead of where we started last year and uh, and hopefully we can make some strides forwards we want to be a team that can be in the upper echelon team and be consistent in that year to year and uh, we've obviously got some more work to do to get there a little more from dave tippett after the conclusion of the Oilers season on friday night some text to 780-496-0063 josh says reed we as oilers fans are sick of spending thousands and thousands on tickets to be constantly given excuses and told that we're getting better or are visually better as per Craig McTavish over this period, completely pathetic by this team. Uh, Josh, I hear your frustration. Remember only you can choose how you spend your money. Sam says, totally agree with the last caller. Just look at the blue jackets. No superstars just work hard. Yeah. That was Harry who called in, you know, it's, it's, it's my experience from covering sports uh, for about the last 20 years of my life, everything from uh, high school athletics to the NHL at various points in my career, that there are very few athletes 
there, there are probably really no athletes who willingly don't try hard enough in a game, especially if you're a professional. But I do believe that there are athletes and teams who have a better understanding of what it takes to consistently perform at a high level. And you can, there are a lot of cliche type words for that, whether you want to talk about sacrifice or buy-in or, or whatever. I don't know if they all apply, but you do see that sometimes from teams where they can't get over the hump, they can't get over the hump, and then all of a sudden, maybe not all of a sudden, but maybe after a few years or a couple of years of disappointment, they just seem like they're a different team, even though they might have different players or pardon me, even though they might have uh, a lot of the same players or in some cases might appear to be inferior talent wise to other teams in their league or to even past incarnations of the team. And to me, that's what we saw from the Oilers. I, I don't think they, they willingly said, okay, let's just see if we can try 70% of our potential and try to still win but I, I do believe there, there was some sort of a lack of realization with the, the desperation and the consistency that is required to win in the playoffs. It, it was interesting to me that, that Nurse said that after the game, that the most intense they played was against Calgary in the exhibition game, um, because that's kind of the opposite of what you would expect. So that's kind of how I look at it. I, I know, and I, and I hear this a lot from fans who are frustrated, um, and I'm not telling you, you shouldn't be frustrated. It, it's not always about effort, but I do think it's sometimes about the realization of the details and the consistency that are truly needed to win, those little, little things. And, and you look at game three, I mean, this series, game one was a blowout. Game two was a blowout. So there were two close games and the Oilers lost them both. Well, maybe a, a little shot block or tying up a guy's stick make a difference. And, and maybe there's a Chicago goal or two that doesn't go in. Maybe there's a puck being dumped in deep at the blue line. And I think the, the, the teams that eventually ascend realize that every single play could turn out to be the most important play in the game. So you better do your darndest to make it. And the Oilers just did not consistently do that throughout the series. Now, I also think, and I want to talk about this too, this is still a flawed Oilers roster. If I would look at this roster, I, I would say they're, they, they still really don't have a third line. I thought they still kind of had two fourth lines. Uh, their goaltending is still below average at best, and they're probably missing a couple defensemen who can really transition the puck and get it up ice. And, and I think if the Oilers had beat Chicago, they would have been an underdog going into this next series, regardless of who they played. And even if they'd played well in this hypothetical series, they probably would have lost. Just some things how I look at it. 780-496-0063. Jesse's on the line. Go ahead, Jesse. Hi, um, I just kind of feel that we are a little too hard and quick to judge the Oilers. Like, they work really hard, and, you know, the roughing is really biased, and it's against the Oilers time and time again. Like, look what happened to Cassian. That's really unfair. There's missed calls all the time. And could you imagine putting your 150% in and all of your glory into this game and then totally getting defeated time and time again with the bad calls and the bad poor refereeing it's just it's terrible it's sadding which cassian call are you talking about the one where there was no call when he was gushing blood on 
broke the ice, and no one was even called for the four minutes. That should have been technically. Oh, that's because that's because Shea's stick came up and hit him. They, that's why they reviewed it. There was a teammate stick that hit him. But again, there's still like there's still many calls that aren't. It's always against the Oilers and never for the Oilers. And could you imagine how that feels? You can see them get defeated and defeated and defeated. And by the end of it, then maybe sometimes the effort is a little bit lack, right? Well, the Oilers had more power plays in game four, and they got the best power play in the league, and they couldn't get one more goal to win the game. I really don't think they, they were eliminated because of the, the refereeing, Jesse. Do you think that was the number one factor? Well, it's not the number of factor. I agree with a lot of people's comments, but at the end of the day, as a team, we need to rally against, and there needs to be a little bit more of awareness that the referees are making poor calls or no calls at all towards the Oilers, and that has something to do with it. You get defeated. It is what it is. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Former D-man Mark has graced us with a call tonight. Go ahead. Howdy, Reed. How are you? Good. Yeah, no, I was just calling just because I I don't really agree, not with the last caller, but with the previous caller. Um, They're just not good enough. I mean, this this, uh, series just, just, like, proved that immensely. Uh, they don't know what it takes to win yet, and I, I, I'd have to agree with uh, most of what you said prior to taking Jesse's call, is that it, it takes more effort to win in the playoffs. Uh, you know, when um, I believe it was uh, uh, not Steve Smith, but uh, the former defenseman uh, Smith, Jason Smith, yeah. got hit. Was it not him that got hit in the mouth with a puck or a stick? Or was it Ryan Smith that got hit in the mouth with the sticker of puck? Yeah, anyway, I think Ryan, didn't the... Horkoff take a shot off the face at some point too? Anyway, well, I, And this is the thing. And then they came back and they uh, they came back and they played. You know, they, they, they didn't they didn't just, well, uh, you know, I'm 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 hurt. I'm I'm mailing it in. And and what what these guys have to realize is that in order to win in the playoffs, you have to sacrifice. And if that means you have to throw your body in front of the puck, you throw your body in front of the puck. And you can't get away with, I don't know where these guys get this. I mean, defensemen, it just drives me nuts. Why is your stick in the shooting lane? The very first thing they tell you is get your stick out of the shooting lane. Let the goalie have a direct shot at the puck. And there was at least two goals that went in on off of Oilers sticks that never should have been there. You know, it, it just it, it, that kind of stuff just drives me bananas. But I don't think this team is anywhere near as bad as people are making it out to be. This is a damn good hockey club. Now they got a raw deal with the twenty, uh, with the playoff format. But you know what? Tough luck. You know, it, it's too bad, Buttercup. If they had won this series, I think they would have learned a lot. And we're either going to find out whether they learned anything from losing or not next year. Because this team is too good not to make the playoffs and not to make a run at the playoffs. The defense right now is young and inexperienced. But I would hope from this fiasco uh, that that they actually learn something. And, and we'll find out next year because if it, at the end of next year it's the same thing. I don't know who you come after. Do you come after management because they haven't got the right pieces? Or do you come after the pieces because they're just bums? I mean, <laughs> this, this, uh, 
this club has so much defensive depth and depth coming up. I can't see how they can keep underperforming. This was nothing more than underperforming. I mean, when Jesse talked about the refing in game one, the refing did influence the outcome of that game. When Zach Cassian got cross-checked from behind and no penalty was called, and then they came down the ice and Darnell Nurse, I don't even know what he did. I assume it was holding, yet both his hands were on his stick. Uh, got a penalty, and then Chicago scored right after. That was the death knell for the Oilers. But make no mistake, game one, they lost because their their defensive play was garbage. Yeah. Mark, I'm going to go on to the next call, buddy. Thanks for checking in, okay? Hey, thanks, Reed. Have a great yeah. night. Appreciate it. Got a text here from Don who says, you, you guys are going to love this text from Don. He says, hi, definition of hockey players, a bunch of whining crybabies making excuses for everything. Glad the Oilers are done, and you're still talking about yesterday's news. He used the wrong your, by the way. All washed up, game over, get on with life. That is from Don, who I wonder why he listens to a sports show. (laughs) Don, you're a beauty. Keep the text covered. This is my life, and I've been washed up for a while. Lee isn't washed up. Lee is on the phone. Thanks you for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Reed, how are you doing tonight? Good. Good. Well, first off, I want to talk about where I was this time last year. I was in Vegas watching Def Leppard for the residency. Oh, sweet. I didn't go to that one. I went to the previous one. That's awesome. It was uh, it was very, very good as usual. The boys put on a good show and got to see uh, two of the concerts. So that's the positivity. So we're going to start with that. Good. <laughs> uh, for the winners, I think, yeah, I think they've got to learn how to win. And I think the question is, Will they pick up on the lessons? I think for somebody like an Ethan Bear getting outworked by Jonathan Taves and whether he hooked him or whatever, getting outworked, I think Bear will learn that lesson. But other ones, I don't know. I think Chris Russell is hes a warrior. He's a great player. But that same thing, that deflection was from both him and Koskinen being out of position. Darnell Nurse makes the same mistakes over and over again and says the right thing. But the question is, are the lessons going to be learned? And I think Tippett will teach them, and I think the assistants will teach them. But, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be how do you grow? And, and I coached my daughter's hockey team for 13 years, and the same thing. If they don't learn, you show them. If they don't learn it, you show them again. But by the third time, then maybe it's sitting and watching for a little bit. And well, I'll tell you something. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you something, Lee. I mean, you got Chris Russell. I don't know if he's going to be back. I mean, he definitely gives you everything he had. But, um he doesn't have the dimension to his game that he used to. And I'll say this for Nurse. He had to play more the last two games. What have we seen from Nurse every time he's had to pick up more minutes? Remember when he had to run the power play when Clef got hurt, when Todd was still the coach? He didn't yep. play as well, right? No, so Exactly. So put him in, put him in the right slot. Yeah. Don't say you're a 1-2 when you're a 3-4. You're a 5-6. And I think that's exactly I think they'll learn, they'll get better, and... You know, I think it's it's more of just the disappointment and the anticipation because they had a great year, right? They yeah. had a great year, and unfortunately, they ran into a team that got hot and had some experience, and they learned. And they, they talk about the Oilers. They talk about Gretzky and those guys walking by the Islanders' dressing room and looking at the ice packs and all this stuff, and they learned. They holy crap! You got to sacrifice to win, and that's what this team has to win. There's a lot of try, but now it's time for do. So. Hey, we'll talk about uh, hysteria in 33 years, and you have a great <laughs> evening. 
Appreciate it, Lee. Thanks a lot for calling. Love the leopard references. Al texting in. He says they played seven minutes of intense hockey in four games. That's why they lost. Al, can't really argue with you. Didn't see enough intensity and uh, and pressure being put on the Hawks throughout that series. Daniel's up next on the phone line. Daniel, I got to take a break first. Inside Sports on Chet. that Corey Hirsch believes that the NHL should stick with this 2014 playoff format. You'll hear from him between 7 and 7.30 tonight. 780-496-0063. Rangers won the draft lottery. Oilers picked 14th. The draft isn't until October. Daniel is on the line. Hey, Daniel, you're on with Reed. Thanks a lot for calling. Hey, Reed. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, great show again. Thank you. <laughs> I just got a couple quick comments. I won't take too much time. Um, one thing I do notice, and I and when I watch hockey, and uh, you know, I notice these winning teams, these contending teams, they all have that big defenseman that can eat minutes. Uh, we're talking thirty plus minutes a night come playoff time. Um, from Carlson in Washington, you look at Petrangelo last year in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, we are lacking that here. It's it's insane, you know. We, they say we have a lot of depth, and maybe it's young depth on the back end. Clefbaum, uh, he's not a number one defenseman on a contending team. Um, Nurse is not close to a number one defenseman on a contending team. You go down the list. Um, how do we acquire someone like that? How do we? Is it possible? What would it take to get a Drew Doughty out of LA? Well, you know. Yeah, see, here's the thing, like, and not there, there aren't, every team has a best defenseman, but not every team has a true number one defenseman, right? Like, there aren't the, 31. The cup, con- the cup contending teams, they do. Oh, sure. That's, yeah, that, I, I agree with you. Like, well, St. Right. Louis also has, also had Bo Meester and Pareko last year, right? Uh, absolutely, right? So, and, uh, uh, but you're like right. Said, you know, I, I think... You know, I look at a guy like, you know, I, I watch Montreal and I see what Shea Weber brings every night. Um, he was the difference. He he, he was the reason uh, Pittsburgh's golfing, you know. Um, well, who else guy, played well in that series? Well, guy that used you to know, play for the Oilers. There. <laughs> well, Petrie played well, though. Well, sure he did. Right. But he's still not, you know, a Shea Weber. Shea Weber. It, oh, fair enough. Also, fair enough. Petrie is also great because he practices with a guy like Shea Weber every practice. He sees what Shea Weber brings every night. Um, you know, and, and on a sidebar, like I said, you know, Seth Jones is another guy. You're going to watch him in Columbus. He's going to make, or, yeah, Columbus, he's going to make a difference. Um, so, in the end, I don't know many teams that are contending for cups that are paying uh, second-line center what we're paying our second-line center. Okay? Mm-hmm. I know this guy's winning Art Ross trophies. He's probably going to win Hart trophies. Um Eight and a half million is a lot of money. Is that best spent on our second line center? Is is his value ever going to be higher? You know. I'm, I'm Daniel, saying, just say what you're thinking. Just just don't be afraid to say it. Well, you want to trade Leon? Hey, you know what? I'm saying if we could take that eight and a half and we can turn it into a Roman Yossi at even eight and a half or ten, would we not be better off paying that on the back end? 
does McDavid need a dry cycle? You know, is is his value ever going to be higher than it is right now? That's an interesting question, Daniel. I I don't think he's he's going to get traded, but but hey, I, I appreciate so that. And, and I love him. I think he's a great, unreal player. And every anywhere he goes, he'll be a great player. Yeah. But eight and a half on that second line center. You know, yeah. like Caves and, and Kane, Crosby, Malkin, they got paid, but they won Stanley Cups before they got paid. These guys didn't win nothing. They they won a series and got paid. You know, here's six million. Win me a Stanley Cup, I'll give you twelve million, uh, Leon. Right? Win something. Daniel, That's I appreciate it. the call, buddy. Appreciate the passion. Talk call again, okay? That is Daniel, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Good discussion. Of course we'll keep having it. Do you want to just go down a bit of a different track? We'll get some playoff thoughts from Corey Hirsch, and he thinks keep the 2014 playoff format. Man, I don't know about that, but uh, we'll let him explain it when we get back to Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.